Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Abigail. Hi, how are you, Tricia? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It is warm today. All the snow melted in like five seconds this morning. Oh, I'm so jealous. We had a warm weekend though, but now the snow's coming back. So, um, yeah. I like little reprieves of sun during the winter time. So. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking about making little graphics about burning away winter the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be awesome. <laughs> well, let's jump in and talk about your books. You're a dark fantasy author, correct? Yes, ma'am. Do you want to just start by telling us about your series and books? Um, sure. Uh, and first of all, I can hear the birds through my mic, so I apologize if you can. I can't, <laughs> actually. My... Oh, you yeah. can't? Okay. Yeah. One side of my house is covered in ivy, and that's where all the windows are, and uh, they live in there, so, um, so they're very noisy right now. <laughs> Um, so dark my dark fantasy series right now that I'm working on um, is called Season of the Runer, and I don't know what I did with the book. I was going to show it. Oh, here it is. I put it right behind me so I couldn't see it. Um, so this is it right here. This is the first one. Um, I don't know how familiar you or your readers are with dark fantasy, um, but it tends to be uh, pretty depressing, deals with a lot of... Um, I always happily say violence, gore, and guts, because um, I'm something of a horror fan. I love horror movies, and of course, I, you know, grew up reading Stephen King, um, and um, tends to, mine anyway, deals with darker themes. Um, I like to think my series is unique in that it deals with a lot of things um, like depression, which I myself uh, fight with and deal with every day. And I feel like I didn't see that a lot in, uh, in fantasy. Um, sometimes there's, you know, mental health aspects in fantasy, but they're always not really important to the plot or they're a worse. They're a tool for the plot, um, or they get magically cured at the end. Um, and so I wanted something a little bit different and I figured dark fantasy was a good place to put that because everything's already so, so glum, uh, as it is. Um, so I have two main characters in this series. I have a, um, a traditional male and female main character um, and their master and apprentice, like in a lot of fantasy series is, um, but they are monster hunters. So kind of like the Witcher a little bit, which is really popular right now. Um, and um, it takes place in a Middle Eastern inspired world. So it's not your typical medieval uh, European uh, fantasy setting. It's a little bit different. And I love that aesthetic. So whenever I'm writing a scene, I love talking about the sand and the sun. I know we just talked about the sun and the weather. <laughs> Praise the sun. <laughs> um, and um, um, I, I have a, a background in, um, in some Middle Eastern business. 
and or working with a lot of Middle Eastern people rather um, from when I lived in Houston, Texas, and just everything about the music, the the food, uh, the dance. Um, I have a hookah, which you can't see, but it's up there. <laughs> um, I just I love um, all of that, and I feel like I don't know if I've ever read a fantasy story based around characters from there, like sometimes those places exist in fantasy, um, but the main characters aren't typically from there. Um, so I tried to do a bunch of unique things with this story, uh, but also have it kind of be something familiar to you know get people involved. So I went with a couple tropes like Master and Apprentice, monster hunting, there's magic, um, you know, sorceresses, sorcerers, and um, all of that, but. Yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> Fun. I love that you've pulled in a different culture that maybe we haven't experienced yet. Um, yeah, hopefully. I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, you know, and I'm sure there are series out there that have these characters represented or these kinds of people and cultures represented. Um, and we're definitely getting better at that these days. Um, but, you know, nothing like huge yet. And um, I, I like being able to write that and share that with the people in my life. I think that's neat. No, I haven't read one set in the Middle East. I mean, you have some of the Disney stories that have done a play on Aladdin. And mm. um, we had, you know, I remember reading Alibaba and the 50 Thieves, which are a little bit, um, but yeah, I haven't, not sure that I've read anything more contemporary. Okay, awesome. Fun. So the name of your series is The Rune series, correct? Um, Season of the Runer. Season of the Runer. Neat. I, I like that you've like put those mental health aspects into your book because I think it's true. Like a lot of us struggle, especially the past three years too. A lot of us have struggled with mental health issues, whether it be depression or anxiety or um, and however that manifests in your life. And showing that in a realistic way is important because I know growing up, I don't remember seeing that aspect in books and feeling like I was sort of alone or different or probably nobody else struggled with that. Um, and I don't think it was talked about very much. And I've seen on podcasts, it's been kind of interesting. Like there was one podcast saying that, um, you know, children shouldn't read fantasy because it gave them unrealistic expectations. And I was like, well, no, wait, this is a really good way to play out all of these things that might happen in real life in a safe space, right? So you can talk about loss and turmoil and depression and, and deal with it in that safe place and hopefully take it to your outside life. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I think definitely um, realizing that in like the Harry Potter series, which was, you know, all about death and, and grieving and oddly, you know, what is it, isn't there like seven steps of grief? And then there, yes. there's seven <laughs> Harry Potter books. Um, I, I probably wrote about that in my undergrad or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I think that series, um, showed me like, actually you can do a lot of literary things and a lot of heavy subjects. And, and I mean, those are kids books. They're not even in the young adult section, you know, Barnes and Noble, they're in the children's section. Um, so, but yeah, that one, just seeing how it dealt with those emotions and, and, um, really inspired me, I think that, and told me it's okay to write about this stuff. 
That's neat. So do you have a background in literature and writing? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I was like all, all of my siblings before me, um, I was homeschooled. Um, and so homeschoolers deal a lot in uh, English and history and literature. I don't know why all the ones I knew growing up did as well. And then there were those like weird homeschooled science kids. <laughs> 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 but I think anyone in science is weird. <laughs> um, and I say that, but actually I'm the only one, well, me and my younger sister are the only ones in my family who went into liberal arts. She's a videographer and, um, and I'm a writer and all, all the rest do things like aerospace engineering and, and chemical biology. So, um, so I guess I just proved myself wrong, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we read a lot and we wrote a lot. Um, and uh, you know, like everyone else, I guess, as a kid, it was like, oh, I loved English. I loved the books my mom made me read. We read stories before bedtime. I loved Brothers Grimm's, Brothers Grimm and Aesop's Fables. Um, and then uh, throughout high school, yeah, I wrote, I went to the Renaissance Fair and, you know, just like that opened the, the creative door and I got home and I started my first epic fantasy when I was 13 and it was terrible. And um, but it did come out to over a hundred thousand words. And I'm pretty sure as a teenager, I was impressed. Um, and it took me years to write it. And I actually found it the other day on an old hard drive. And, um, I was reading through it and I was like, man, this story sucks, but oh my gosh, my grammar was so on point. <laughs> like, <laughs> if nothing else, like that's what was good. Um, but then, yeah, I have a bachelor's in creative writing and then a master's in rhetoric and writing. So in order to make money, it got steadily more boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's boring at all. And I'm one of those weird science people. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did minor in geology for a little bit because I thought it was cool. But then when the science got tough uh, in my undergrad, I, I quit. <laughs> yeah, I come through to creative writing from a back door, I think, because I am that science brain person. But what I realized, what I liked about science was the creative aspect. Like mm. I liked figuring out how to figure out the answer more than I liked the answer itself. Yeah. Which I didn't Holmes. discover that until <laughs> later in my career. But, um, but yes, yeah, so. we're not all weird science people. <laughs> No, and, and some of you are great because I, I can play D&D &D with the Dungeons and Dragons with the science people because they, they know the math. <laughs> yeah, the, the points and all that stuff is what held, holds me up in D&D &D too, so I have to say. So do you have a regular group that you play with? Um, yep, actually, um, my some brothers and sisters and um, a sister-in-law, actually, and we all play on Sundays. Um, everything is homebrewed, though. We just got through a, um, a little over a year of a campaign with um, a story my brother wrote, actually, um, and now we're playing through um, a story that a... Um, that my second, another brother wrote. So I DM'd for them at first. Um, but then when they were like, man, this is amazing. I want to DM. I was like, sure, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> um, so, but they made it harder on themselves. I, I DM'd from a, from a published story from Wizards of the Coast and uh, they made up their own. <laughs> so, Do you ever take scenes from your games and put them in your book? 
Sometimes the, the golden rule in D and D writers is do not write your campaign into a story. Oh, okay. Um, however, sometimes it goes the other way. So I'll take characters from something I've written and transport them into a D and D campaign, um, but then switch them up. And, and I have to be careful because sometimes my brothers don't like it when I do that, or, you know, the DMs don't like it when I do that, because I try too hard to play the character as I wrote them rather than transplanting them into their story. So, but you know, that's good for, for learning, for creativity and that spontaneity and just getting things to work out. So. Yeah, that's what I feel like with the D&D play that, yeah, you have to be quick on your feet. I don't think I'm quick enough on my feet. It takes me a while to think through my plots and mm-hmm. go back and figure out how I'm getting my character from A to B. Definitely takes practice. And, and the more you do it, you know, the easier it becomes. Um, then you get excited when there's when there's a challenge. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm definitely excited now, but every once in a while I'll be like, yeah, I have no idea how this character is going from here to there, and it takes me a week to like, and then sometimes I have an aha, so that works. How plotted out are your books when you're writing? Mm, So I have to be careful when I talk about plotting versus pantsing, because everyone I know is a pantser, and I am a very hardcore plotter, Um, so my books are outlined down to the chapter, um, sometimes down to the scene. Um, but I do that, uh, for myself. Um, I have very short attention span. Um, my, my therapist used to say that some of the depression and the bipolar affects my memory. Um, so if I don't write it down, I'll forget it. Um, and so I, and if I don't know where I'm going, then I, then I tend to wander. Um, and not in a good way. Um, but that being said, uh, my outlines are very, very flexible. Um, oftentimes when I'm writing, um, I'll start a chapter. I'm like, Ooh, this is the opening chapter. I'll write, you know, 3000 words. And I'm like, that's it. Chapter one. Um, and then as I plot some more and outline everything, um, and I don't outline the whole book at once. I divide my books into four parts into the three act plot structure. Um, and I'll do usually one or two of those at a time. Um, but I always have the end of the book in, lo- in mind. Um, so, so then what'll happen is I'll be like, ooh, actually we need to show this before that. And so then what was chapter one becomes chapter six. Um, or I'll think of something great for like the second to last chapter because I know what I want the end to be. So then I'll write that and then go back to writing, you know, chapters three and four. So I definitely don't write linearly all the time. Um, but I do have things plotted out and, and sometimes they change. Um, the third book in the Runer series that I'm writing right now, um, I had about half of it plotted up at the end of December. Um, and then, um, I was writing another book in December while plotting this one. Uh, and then by the time, by the end of January, after I wrote part one, I was like, (laughs) actually I need to scrap like, you know, 50,000 words that I had planned for at the end, um, because it was so stupid and it was so cringy. And so I was like, we got to get rid of that and we got to go a different direction. Um, so that happened with this book and, and that happens a lot. Um, you know, so even though I am a hardcore plotter and outliner, it's still very flexible and always changing. Um, but I think that comes from, one, working with myself and knowing, you know, who I am as a person, but also working with students. Um, I've taught English at the university level uh, for a few years, and I always tell them, 
you know, outline, never start with your introduction, you know, work paragraph by paragraph, um, but make sure they know where they're going and divide it up into little sections. Um, and that, that seems to work for them. And that works for me. Um, plotting also helps me uh, miss plot holes. Um, and I had a dear friend of mine who is a very religious pantser <laughs> um, say, well, you know, I found plot holes in outline novels. Well, of course you have, like, you know, it's 120,000 words, <laughs> um, but it just, it takes out a lot of the developmental editing because, you know, I'm going to put this nugget in chapter six, 13, and then it's, you know, the, the drama is going to drop in 27. Um, so you can kind of follow those throughout um, rather than having to just write the whole thing and then go back and rewrite the whole thing. Um, but, you know, that works for some people and some people I know don't outline and, you know, can bang out 70,000 words in a month and good for them. That's not me. <laughs> yeah. All those details are really hard. I am more, I have a good outline and I do my three act. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's kind of an outline. I'm more of a visual person. So I'm like drawing pictures and graphs and um, this is going to this place and this is going to this place. But um, then, then I leave a little bit of room to put other fun scenes in there. So. Yeah, that, that's my favorite thing. In brackets, cool stuff happens. Then. Yeah. <laughs> fight scene here. That's, that's what I was about to say, stupid fight scene. <laughs> I hate writing action scenes. <laughs> that's funny. So you're writing right now the third book in the series, correct? Yes. And how many books do you plan to be in the series? Um, five, um, which I'm beginning to wonder if I'm going to struggle with that, but, but I don't think I am every time. Well, so there's that bipolar, right? <laughs> I am, but I'm not. <laughs> um, every time I am writing one of the books, I get all these ideas for the next one. So then I'll, you know, write those down and I have just a million sticky notes. I have a folder that just says Runer stuff and it's very disorganized and there's all kinds of colorful sticky notes in there. And there's like napkins from McDonald's and <laughs> you know stuff written on them. Um, but so that's the one thing I love about writing is I get so many ideas for the sequel. And what was dangerous during the second one was I had so many ideas for this third one that I almost stopped <laughs> to work on the third one. But I was like, you can't just write down the ideas. You've got to get the second one done. Cause I knew that if I stopped, I would stop for months and I you know, wanted to stay on deadline. Um, so five, and I chose five because um, one, um, I feel like trilogies are short when it comes to like big long fantasy. Um, but in, in other times they feel too long. Um, but I didn't wanna do like, you know, Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time. What is it? 17, 13, 14, I forget how many books. Um, you know, I didn't wanna do that either. And I was like, you know what? A quintet would be fun. <laughs> Nobody ever says like quintet. Um, and then it worked out because in the story, there are five runes that the monster hunters use. And so then I was like, oh, now, now it like all works out. And it's, um, there's a word for it. There's a, a Hebrew word, but I forget. Um, but it means like when some, when the opening is the same as the close. And so I had like this book, I have this bookend idea. And um, so pulling on some Middle Eastern literature tropes uh, to go with it. Um, so yeah, I decided on five for mostly aesthetic reasons. 
That sounds super fun. And yeah, I think all our readers are going to be like, oh, I have to find out this series now. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Do you have anything else planned for the future? Um, yeah, I actually have the next five years <laughs> of uh, my writing plotted out. We'll see how it goes. Um, I just released um, a fantasy romance, um, which uh, in the last podcast I did was lovingly referred to as romance you could take home to your mother. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, it's, it's, def it's not dark romance. It's not steamy. It's not 50 shades of gray or anything like that. It's just very, um, more focused on the, the urban fantasy and the Celtic lore that it's based on. Um, but it's romantic and it's dramatic and it's intense. Um, it involves reincarnation. So that's fun. Um, that came out. Uh, then I have, I haven't decided what genre it is. I have a YA novel coming out this year um, and I haven't done YA in a very long time. Um, and coming off of all this dark fantasy into what is appropriate for YA has, has been a struggle. Um, um, and uh, so it's like a alternate history, steampunk, wild west, but there's also a vampire involved. So <laughs> I haven't decided on a genre yet, um, but it's very, it's uh, very inspired by the Count of Monte Cristo. So it's a revenge story. Um, and uh, I'm, oh, I had to rewrite half of it last year um, because again, it was just, it was so bad and it wasn't working. Um, so I'm hoping all the effort I've put into it, um, you know, pays off this summer when it comes out. Well, I can imagine it will. What is the title of that one? Um, that one is going to be called The Prince of Midwest. So it takes place in the fictional state of Kansuri, which is Kansas and Missouri, which is where I'm from. Um, and uh, I did that on purpose because a lot of people in Missouri like to say that, you know, that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals, our football and baseball team, belong to them because their stadiums are in Kansas City, Missouri. But Kansas City is also in Kansas. <laughs> So I just mushed it together and, you know, was like, ha, take that, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Tell the listeners where we can find you. Um, so you can find me primarily um, on my website, which is abigaillinhart.com. So that's A-B-I-G-A-I-L-L-I-N-H-A-R-D-T.com. Um, on there, I keep it pretty updated. I really need to update it right now. Um, <laughs> but it's generally updated. All my social media links are on there, including my new TikTok link, um, which is- I'll follow brand you brand. on TikTok if you yes. follow me. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I'm doing there, but, but they said, oh, you're putting out a YA. You have to get on TikTok. I was like, oh, this is why I didn't want to do YA. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I have a blog on there. Um, I have a newsletter. If anyone wants to sign up for the newsletter, um, I don't send out newsletter spam. I literally only send it out when I have, um, either something really cool happening or a new release. So, you know, it's like four or five times a year, <laughs> uh, but keeps you updated. Um, you'll find all my books on there with links to the eBooks, paperbacks. All my books are in audiobook as well. Um, so if you're like me and you have zero time to sit down and read, um, then you can still enjoy all my stories on audio. Fun, fun. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, and fitting me into your schedule after that 
really long gap in my email correspondence. <laughs> no worries. I'm so excited to learn about your books and meet you as well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Trisha Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.